Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is John White. I am the youth pastor here to our junior high and our high school students. And it's fun. Lorena was just sharing about communion, right? And last week, uh, my four-and-a-half-year-old Shelby, uh, she was in her Sunday school class and after church, Pastor Lorena was talking to her, and she said, Shelby, what did you learn today? And she goes, oh, we took community today. <laughs> and isn't that what, it's, it's good to be in person, right? We all need to take in a little community, you know, but she's trying to explain her little heart. So um, it is so good. Those that are online, welcome. It is so good uh, to have you joining us uh, this morning. And um, as you can see behind me, we have been back at youth group for a few weeks now, and it is the best. We're meeting at the gym. We're playing Nine Square. Uh, We're actually meeting here in person, and it's just amazing uh, to have time with the students, and we're really unpacking Jesus' words in John 15, 7, where Jesus said, Abide in me, and if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. And so I've been asking the students, is Jesus basically saying, hey, um, your wish is my command. Uh, I've been asking students, is prayer just wishful thinking? And so we've been slowly talking about it. It's cool because we meet down here and we have junior high and high school together. And so it's just been a great time. So if you know any 7th to 12th graders um, that you, you would like to drop off uh, your own or someone else's, uh, on a Tuesday night, we're meeting at the gym at 7 o'clock. Uh, we would love, love to have them. Well, the last time I was here in person, uh, up front, not in person, but the last time I was up front, my wife Debbie and I, and my daughter Shelby, we were all waiting for our new little baby girl to be born. Um, and now Oakley Kathleen is with us. She's officially here, and it's awesome. She is so chill, and she's just kind of like joined our little family, and it's so much fun. And Shelby is learning how to be a big sister. She is four and a half, going on 13, and... Um, she loves to like sit under the mobile with sister. She loves to sing to Oakley. But no joke, uh, we brought Oakley home the very next morning. She's laying on Debbie and I's bed. Shelby's face is down like this, and she's going, nothing is the same anymore <laughs> at four and a half. You know? And so, I mean, there's just so many stories that I have about our family that's growing that I just love. And boy, do I love a good, good story. Um, I love stories. And I, I don't know about you, if it's a book or a movie or a TV show, um, I want you to think about what is the last story that really gripped you? What's one that really lingered in your heart or had an impression on your soul that you're like, man, I just can't shake that story because it spoke to me? If you're online, I'd encourage you, put it in the chat. And if you're here right now, I just want you to lean over and share with the person next to you, what's the last story that really gripped you? Go for it. You can talk. What's the last story that really gripped you? Well, for me, it was WandaVision. Uh, WandaVision from Marvel. I didn't really want anything to do with it because the previews were terrible, in my opinion. But uh, being at youth group, and students like, John, you like comic books? Have you read one, or have you watched WandaVision? I'm like, no. They're like, you need to do it. And so my wife Debbie and I, we started watching Wonder Woman. Or Wonder Woman. That was not a good movie, actually. But um, WandaVision was way better, and it was actually very, very profound. It's probably one of the most profound comic stories that I've um, heard in a while. Hashtag no spoilers here. I won't tell you about it, but I encourage you, you know, go, to, go check it out. But I do love a good story, and as much as I love a good work of fiction to get lost in from time to time, the best stories to me are the ones that are real, that are true. 
um, which is probably why I love to read biographies. Um, I have all kinds of bi biographies at home from Jim Hansen to Neil Armstrong to Dietrich Bonhoeffer to Walt Disney, and I'm currently reading um, The Good Neighbor, which is the life and work of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. And I just, I love these stories because they're true. They actually happened in someone's life. They happened in the world, which is also probably why I love reading the Bible, right? Because the Bible is talking about real people in real situations that put their real trust and they put their real lives on the line to trust in the real and true and living God. And I just finished um, in my devotions, I started in January, but I was going through uh, First and Second Chronicles. And I would really encourage you, if you're stuck in, you don't know, really know where to go, pick up the book of First and Second Chronicles. It's amazing because it's very dramatic, but it talks about kings who put their trust in God, and it talks about kings who didn't trust God, from David to Solomon to Hezekiah to Josiah. Um, it's, it's really, really impactful. And, you know, I was reading a chapter a day, and it was just really helpful. And I finally finished it in March, and I was like, whoa, do I have a new favorite book of the Bible? This is awesome. So I'd really encourage you to check out Chronicles. And today, we are coming to the end of our Unhindered series, where we've been inspired over the past six weeks um, from God's Word with real stories of regular people who found themselves in some seriously unreal positions in life, like Queen Esther. Queen Esther, who showed us that no matter where we're at in life right now, no matter what we're facing, we are in the right spot. We are in the right place where God wants us. We listen to the woman at the well's honest conversation with Jesus and realize that it's loved people who turn around and love other people. And wow, aren't we truly known and truly loved and freed by our creator to be able to share the unhindered love that he has for us? Then we watch the story of the team, the husband and wife pair, and Abraham and Sarah, as God chose them to bless the world. And how we too are hashtag blessed, not only to hoard the blessing, but to share the blessing with other people and those of us around us, because God knows us, and he loves us, and he wants to know and love our neighbors. And then we saw how God chose to pursue a murderer in the desert in order to equip him, in order to redeem him, in order to redeem and equip his people in the man of Moses. God can use anyone to share his message, and we're going to look more at that today. And then two weeks ago, we heard about the teenager named Daniel who chose to hold on to his God with courage and conviction and without compromise. And he ended up influencing a pagan king and a whole nation at the power and the presence of the real God. And then Pastor Mike last week shared with us from the book of Jeremiah about how God's plan for the children of Israel was for his shalom, his peace to affect their lives and then for them to seek the shalom and the peace of their city even though they didn't want to be there. And so after hearing all these stories so much over the past six weeks, my prayer this morning is I want to help us to not just say, oh, those are stories in there that happened like a long time ago, but I want us to get in touch with our stories and how God has reached into our lives and how he's helped us. We call that a testimony. We call that a story. And this morning, my hope is by looking at the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, we will be able to see God's unhindered love in our story and then release that to those around us in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, wherever. But before we jump into God's word, I want to ask God's spirit to unite our hearts to his. So would you pray with me? Abba Father, thank you for your incredible, unhindered love towards us. Nothing holds you back from loving us, Lord. And I know in my life sometimes I let certain obstacles hold me back from receiving it. And so, Lord, right now, as best I can, I open my heart to you. We open your word to us. And we ask that you would meet us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles um, here or online, please open to the book of Acts, chapter 26. Um, if you have the you know, Bible here, you can ask Siri to open it for you. If you're online, please, Acts, chapter 26. And just to set the scene here in Acts, chapter 26, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, um, God's Spirit is on the move in the Apostle Paul. Every, every day, Paul's traveling, he's working, he's teaching in towns, at the grocery store, and homes, and synagogues, on the road, and in amphitheaters. He's telling everyone he can about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. If Paul had a Fitbit on, he'd be hitting those 10,000 steps, no problem. He's going, he's going all around. He was truly unhindered in his passion for helping people understand who Jesus was. And the more that Paul shared with people about his story... Thousands and thousands of Jews and thousands of Romans, thousands of religious people and thousands of unreligious people were coming to Jesus. They were accepting Jesus' forgiveness. They were repenting and they were turning away from their old lives of doing the ways they were doing life. And now they were worshiping and praising the true creator like never before. Well, as Acts 26, this created a real big problem because you had on one side the Jewish elite who saw their power and influence waning and they weren't able to control people with certain things. And on the other side, you had the Roman elite who was getting really upset because you had national idol makers that brought national money to the nation who were not building idols anymore because they weren't finding their faith in these human-made gods. And so this is proposing a problem to the economy of the Roman time. It's, it's proposing a problem to the economy of the Jewish uh, leaders too. And so we enter chapter 26 and Paul is about to share his testimony before the Roman king and the Jewish elite. And his chances of survival are kind of like a butterfly going up against a steamroller. It's not looking too good. But the amazing thing is that God is going to use Paul's story in a way that we can't even imagine. And so this morning, I've asked a brother and sister pair, um, Josiah and Mackenzie Roush, to help us read our scriptures. So let's listen in as Josiah reads chapter 26, verses 2 through 11. Take it away, Josiah. Acts 2, 26, 2 through 11. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews and have known for a long time. They are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in imposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only looked up, locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues, and tried to make blasphemy and enraging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Great. Well, notice first that Paul, as he's sharing his story before the king, he starts with his upbringing. He starts talking about his reputation growing up, how he uh, lived as a child, his personal encounters and experiences of Paul in the community that he grew up in. Paul was highlighting the early days of his life. 
He was, um, the early days of his faith, he was talking about what he thought the point of his life was and what he thought God was like. Paul didn't run away um, from his life before Jesus, but he included the good parts, the bad parts, the ugly parts, the parts that when he didn't get what life was all about. And I know that sometimes when we go on mission trips with our junior high and high school students, um, we're practicing our testimonies and they say, Pastor John, I, have a, I don't really have a testimony. Or what they say is, I don't have a dramatic enough story. You know, the dramatic part where like, I followed God as a kid and then I left God and then I came back and it's like amazing. And they're like, it's just, God can't use me. I'm like, well, actually, the fact that God had brought you up into a strong family where you learned about faith early on and now as a junior high or high school student, you're being faithful and you're being obedient because you think God is calling you to serve people that you've never met in New Orleans or Chicago or around the world in India. I say, God is using you right? You don't have to be because we would never tell, uh, Pastor Lorena would never tell her leaders, hey, tell the kids, uh, don't really believe what we're talking about. Don't, don't pray. Don't trust God because we want you to have a really good testimony like in 10 years, right? That would be crazy. We would never do that. We don't believe that, right? And so Paul is sharing, you know, I tell students that, you know, like you don't have to have a dramatic, crazy testimony. But on the other hand, for some of us, we have maybe a harder story, we do have a dramatic testimony that is hard. And we think that because of our stories that God can't use us. We think, well, it's actually too dark or it's, I was too lost. And you know, for me personally, I have found in my own life that when I run from my story, when I, when I, when I try to hide it from others, I find that I'm hiding, I'm running from God's hand in my life. I'm running from those times of redemption in my heart um, because God has brought me through darkness. He's brought me through pain. And our world is living in darkness and in pain, and they need to know about how we rely on the good shepherd and how he does shepherd us through really hard things. And so we don't have to miss out on God sharing his work in our life through the hard things. He can redeem anyone and anything at any time when we turn to him with our life, that's what we've been reading for the past six weeks of these normal people who in our eyes read the Bible like, I can never be a Daniel. I can never be a Moses. I can never be an Esther. Well, they didn't think of themselves like, I'm a Daniel. I'm an Esther. They just trusted God with the most crazy traumatic thing that was going on in their life right at that moment. And look what God did. It's amazing. And so again, God, I mean, Moses and Paul, they had a murderous past, literally. And God chose them. He chose them specifically to part the seas of people's hearts, to rescue and to restore what sin had tried to ruin in them. But God said, I got you. And so Paul was convinced you know, of this. And it reminds me of the verse in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2.9 that when we dedicated Shelby, this was like our verse that we poured over her, but it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can think up or imagine what God has prepared for those that love him. Think about that. We can't even think of what God has prepared for us if we love him. And Jesus said, you just need faith that's like mustard seed size. And look how God can change the world, right? And so Paul was convinced of this. And so here's what I want to do. This is going to be a little different. I want you to grab your card. If you're online, um, uh, you can scan the QR code and you can get this My Testimony, My Story card, or you can just go to neighborhoodchurch.com, Sunday morning resources, and click on this testimony card. Also, if you're online, you're like, I don't know how to navigate that, just open up a Word document, 
and well, that'll be good. Because what I want to do is I want to give us time this morning to start the process of writing out our testimony. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a song for two minutes, and I'm going to encourage you, grab a pen and fill out these questions, questions one, two, and three. They're going to be up on the screen, and we're going to have that available. But this is going to begin the introductory way to tell your story. Does, everybody have, does anybody in person here need one or a pen? Pastor Kerry will pass it out. You should have received one. Great. And so, again, I'm going to open this time, so go ahead. Uh, we can play some music and just start writing it down. Very simple conversational questions. And then I'll direct us after two minutes. I know if you're like me, you probably didn't finish. That's okay. The goal this morning is not to finish, but to start. Okay? So, you can put that away for a second. Um, but Paul lets everyone know in the audience that day, he lets, them, he lets them know a little bit about their background, right? He lets them know about his upbringing. But then he makes a shift in his testimony, and he starts to share about when God became real to him. So look with me. Pick back up in chapter 26, starting in verse 12. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and all of those that were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose." to anoint you as a servant and a witness to those things which you've seen in me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from their darkness to light 
and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are being sanctified by faith through me. You see here, Paul tells the story of how he met Jesus. He tells the king and everyone that was in the king's court that day of how God actually got his attention through Jesus Christ. He recounts how the day when he was going to Damascus and what brought him literally from darkness to light and how he was forgiven for all the wrong and sinful things that he had been doing along the way. Paul shares how the gospel, how the good news was uniquely, and it's very uniquely, shared with him. Sure, Paul, maybe Paul remembered the exact day that he met Jesus, but honestly, for some of us, we maybe don't know that exact day. I, I, I talk to students a lot. They're like, I don't have a specific day. And I want you to hear, that's okay. Here's what's important. What's important is that we testify of when you made your relationship with Jesus your own. Was it at camp? Was it after you lost everything in a divorce? Or you lost a job? Or you lost a loved one? Was it when you stopped going to church because your parents told you to, and you started going to church on your own because you wanted to investigate if this was really true or not? What brought you to the point of actually deciding to follow Jesus? What made you make the switch from how you were living to wanting to live life with God? You know, to a broken world that doesn't understand why we call ourselves Christians, why we give tithes and offerings and money to church, to a world that doesn't understand how we don't leave Jesus during hardships and trials and persecutions, letting people know why we've decided to follow Jesus doesn't have to be a super spiritual answer other than I realized I needed someone to be Lord of my life and I couldn't do it. I needed Jesus to be the one who would be my anchor during the inevitable storms of this life. And yes, even Christians face very crushing times, but we have an anchor despite the storm. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so, again, grab your little card, okay? We're going to go on to question four and question five. And again, this is a, the point of this is a, so it can be conversational with someone. So again, I'm going to give you two minutes, 120 seconds to start writing. So let's do that.
again, you can pause on that. Um, feel free to be writing it down. Even when I'm talking, that's fine, because I want you to connect with what God has been doing in your own life. And so Paul starts at the beginning with his upbringing, and then he shares when God became real to him. And then he switches, and he ends his testimony with sharing with the king what life has been like since he started following Jesus. And so listen in, and as Mackenzie now reads what Paul was like now after following Jesus. Take it away, Mackenzie. 26, 19 through 29. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, to the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind and your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Except for these chains, yes. So Paul shares how his life has never been the same since Jesus called him out on that day in the road to Damascus. He shares about why he has lived this way since that day. Paul could not have just, Paul could have, if he wanted to, I guess, just gotten back on his horse and went to Damascus, but he didn't. He realized that Jesus was the one who kicked him off his horse, and it was the same Jesus who not only converted him, but commissioned him to share the good news of Jesus with other people. Meeting Jesus impacted how Paul lived, how he worked, how he worshiped God from then on out. And he walked with God in new ways because Jesus was alive and Jesus was now in his life. When you and I share our stories with others, we don't have to make stuff up, but we can be honest about why we are a Christian. Because who knows who is around the corner? Who knows who's far or near? Who knows who's desperate to know or dying to know or wondering or aching from pain or doesn't have the hope that you and I have? And Jesus could be exactly what that person needs. And I think sometimes when we think about sharing our stories, we come up against an obstacle. Some obstacles that hinder us from sharing is that we believe that maybe we're the only one that has ever gone through this thing that we're experiencing. Maybe I'm the only one um, that's gone through this and no one would understand and no one would care. But, you know, I found that the enemy loves to seclude God's children. He loves to get us all alone by ourselves, telling us that we're the only human who ever had this human experience and therefore I'm better off on my own. But just this morning, one of my former students was sharing with me, John, Jesus invited 12 other guys into his life, into his story, and they did life together. And if Jesus didn't go off alone by himself, but he did it with community, we too also need community. We need to share stories in community because God can reach through our hearts, our stories in ways that are unique to us. 
But while they're unique to us, they can also be very powerful for other people. And I don't know if you've ever experienced someone else's vulnerability, but when someone has courage to share and they share how God has walked them through something, it f- I don't know for you, but for me, it fills me with courage. And it makes me want to share and invite God and others into that. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be hindered, but we can entrust our stories to God because he's the one who's writing our stories anyway. And so one more time, grab your testimony card, and I want you to fill out number six and number seven. And these are going to be directed on what life has been like since meeting Jesus. And then I'll call us back. Now that you've been jotting down your story this morning, um, I want you to take it home. Obviously, you probably didn't finish it, and you could be like, Pastor John, there's not enough lines on here. I know. This is just a primer, right? So um, take it home and finish it. Take it home and write it out. And then what I want you to do, and the reason I put on this little card is I want you to practice sharing it in two-minute chunks, five-minute chunks, or ten-minute chunks. Because obviously, I don't know how much Paul, how much time Paul had that day in front of the court. Um, I don't know if it was like an hour or if it was only two minutes to, you know, because the king was busy or something. But depending on where we're at in life and where we're standing at in life, we may not have 15 minutes to go through every single question. But if we practice it enough and we say it enough, we'll be able to discern when God puts us in moments next to people what parts of our story that we can share in a given moment. And one thing I do when I'm practicing for a sermon is I preach to the mirror 
the hardest person to look at in the mirror is myself, right? And the hardest person to listen to is myself. And so I'd encourage you to take this and just kind of practice it out. Um, because if you can get over talking to yourself in the mirror, you could probably talk to someone in line, you know, at Stater Brothers. But again, I just encourage you, pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities where God could use his story and your story to touch someone else's life. And maybe some first steps could be, let's say that you're, uh, you know, we live in a very, um, people have a lot of opinions right now, and there's a lot of pain going on. And so if you're standing in line at Stater Brothers, you could ask someone how you're holding up. Or, I don't know about you, but I've noticed people are just kind of freely sharing right now about things. And so what you could say is, I'm really hard, I'm really sorry to hear that things are so hard right now in your life. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? You might be like, what? And I did, this, I did this in Stater Brothers the other day, and they said, sure. And then you say, well, what could I pray for you for? And then maybe they'll talk to you and share. And then I just encourage you, um, can I pray for you right now? And pray for them right now. And then after you're praying with them, just say, hey, you know, I attend this church right across the street um, called Neighborhood Church, and we're having Palm Sunday. We're having Easter services. Would you want to come with me? Or if you're not feeling comfortable, we, you could go online at neighborhoodchurch.com. You know? And who knows what could happen out of that relationship because they might be intrigued, like, why do you even pray? Why do you pray to a God that allowed a virus to happen? Why do you da 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 And what you can do is share with them the life-giving hope of how Jesus has held on to you during the most troublesome times. And you know, the places that I have found in my own life where I tend to share my story is when I'm engaged serving other people. I remember when we were serving students up at Hume Lake, Dave, we're standing in line, and he just starts sharing his testimony about how he came to know the Lord Jesus. I remember being on a mission trip, and we're standing in New Orleans at the airport, and Shelby shared how Jesus got a hold of her heart and her family. And I remember standing in line at Disneyland in a really long queue. Remember what it used to be like to go to Disney? (laughs) But I remember Lance sharing with me his story about how Jesus had impacted his life and his marriage and his kids. You see, when we're, when we're engaged in serving other people, God just has this awesome habit of using those moments to share his unhindered love with other people. So I encourage you, um, come out to Serve Wednesday or Serve Saturday of Holy Week. Uh, we have different things going on, care packs on Wednesday, and then we have a bunch of different opportunities on Saturday before Easter to serve. And who knows? Who knows who God might put you next to? It could, just, it could be another Christian. It could be someone who's barely a Christian. And it could be someone who doesn't want anything to do with Christianity. But you just ask a question and you share a little bit. And God, that. Who knows how many people that day were in the king's court? Who knows how many people that day heard the life-giving message of how Jesus had rocked Paul's life and had been everything to Paul? But thank goodness Paul was courageous to share about the unhindered love that day because the message clearly has gotten out. 2,000 years later, we are sitting here because that message went out and Paul's courage and his conviction, it came through the centuries to you and to me. So who in your life, who was it that first shared with you the unhindered love of God? Who shared the hope of Jesus with you? Was it a Sunday school teacher? Was it a coworker? Was it someone at the gym? Was it someone at Stater Brothers? Was it a nurse? Was it a mentor? Who introduced you to Jesus and helped you make that relationship with him your own? Who was the person or the family or the church that welcomed you to be a part of God's forever family? 
Oh, that God would give us his unhindered eyes to see the hurting and the hiding and the confused and the seeking so that we might share the real and living hope that we have today for tomorrow, whatever may come, that can only be found in Jesus. Oh, that we might have the courage to embrace our own awkwardness and our own fear in the moment so that God's light could shine through, so that Jesus's light could shine through our lives as we risk sharing our stories, our testimonies with others. Oh, that others might experience the unhindered love of God through us, because who knows, in such a time as this, just one more soul could come in contact with their creator, and it would make all the difference in the world. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for how big you are and how precious we are to you. We're about to start celebrating Easter really soon with Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter. Lord, thank you for writing this incredible, incredible, gripping story and including us in it. God, thank you for the people in our life that were risky, who were maybe awkward, who were, who were, who were bold enough to share about how you've touched their life and what life has been like since they gave their heart to you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would take our stories and that, God, you would give us opportunities, that you would give us moments to just share the hope that we have. It's not a super long sermon. It's just a sacred moment in a sacred space. And so, Lord God, continue to do your work in us each day. In Jesus' name, amen.